Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I want to share with you a story that Jesus shares. It's it's one of the most famous stories that he's told that people within and outside of the church have both heard or have certainly got some memory of in some capacity. And so this is a story that Jesus told that I haven't taken privilege with so much with the text, the original text, but I have added some stuff uh, just for our thematic enjoyment this morning. And so please enjoy this. And as we listen to it, our questions are always when it comes to stories. Who do you find yourself most relating to? Not who do you want to be in the story, but who do you find yourself closest to in this story? What is God saying to us as a community as we continue to wrestle through what does it look like for us as a church to be fine print free? How do we love like Jesus? Please, I hope you enjoy this story. It was Saturday morning and the rooster woke me up. My hands were stiff because they were always stiff. I'd grown up on this farm, this massive cattle on a thousand fields farm with my father and my brother where we would rest and work and rest and work. Week in, far from the things I wanted, far from the things I, would, I was told were worth my desire. You see, businessmen from the city would sometimes stop by the farm to see my dad and they'd tell me stories of the parties, the nightlife, and the women. And as much as I had, I wanted more. And so one Saturday morning, this Saturday morning with stiff hands and a stiff heart, I walked into the kitchen as my father cooked our Sabbath breakfast. He was stirring pancake mix. When I blurted confidently, I'm leaving. I hate this place and I want what's mine. You can give it to me while you're living or I'll just get it when you're dead. But either way, Dad, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. He didn't flinch. He continued to stir the mix for a few more moments and finally he lifted his head and I could see uh, the tears starting to fill the smile lines when he replied, Son, I love you. All I have is yours now and later. And if you must leave, please Please take your blessing. And I was gone. I, I was out of there. I had packed my bags and I was on the road. And as I climbed onto a train out of town, I met my new best friend. And he told me of the parties, the food, the drink, and the girls. And innocently I asked, man, isn't all this stuff sin? And he said something I will never forget. How can something that feels so good be bad? Well, over the course of the next few days, we were well on our way to find out. First class is a wonderful place to live. We went to the best restaurants, the coolest clubs, and only VIP parties. Days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, and months turned into years. My father gave me a lot, and I lived a life of excess, and I lived it like a king. Until one day I woke up in the alley. And the reality of my life came crashing down on me like the cold rain I was lying in. My whole body was stiff. I tried to find some employment. No one wanted to to hire someone they called a drunk, a ragged homeless addict. But as a farm boy, I did find a gig uh, pushing some mops at a a slaughterhouse on the border of town. And, And I gotta tell you, those screaming pigs, they get you to thinking. And pretty soon I was thinking of home. 
I was thinking of my father's home and my father's servants because those workers were better off than me. If I had just half of what they were given, I'd need nothing more. And so I decided to go. I spent the last of my cash on a ticket back to the country. Have you ever tried to go home? The closer I got to my stop and to my father's house, the worse it got. The guilt, the shame, the fear, the humiliation of what I had done to my father, what I had done to myself. And I was just about to turn around and run away when I looked up and there was, there was my father. He was running down the road like a child, <laughs> yelling my name and flailing his arms. It was quite the spectacle. And when I got close, I started to say, Father, I'm sorry I've sinned against you, but before I could keep going, he grabbed me so tight and close to his chest that I couldn't speak. I tried to fight out of his arms, but I couldn't. He was too strong, and so I gave in to my father's embrace, and all that stiffness, that shame and that guilt, it, it melted away. And for the first time in my life, I knew that I was free. I knew that I didn't just have what I needed, that here with my father, I had all that I wanted. Listen to my story. Remember me because I am the youngest son. I am the eldest son. I am devoted, intelligent, skilled, and capable. I know what it takes to succeed. I drive myself and I drive, therefore, others to a high level of performance because I have a high expectation. And my father, in spite of himself, sure, he's accomplished much. But if he would just forsake grace and catch up to the times of corporate culture, we wouldn't just be successful, we would be powerful. I demand work before rest. Work before rest and only rest if the work is finished. So can you imagine, to my surprise, the other day when I come home from a hard day in the fields to, far, to find a party going on at my father's house? I'm curious, and so I get closer to see what occasion is called for such extravagance. The fattened calf is killed. The best of the best is put out. Why? What could be happening? Who could be here to demand such a party? And do you know? Do you know who I saw? They are sitting at the place of honor at my father's table. My younger brother. The entire household weeping and dancing for my, for my brother because he's decided to come home from a life of drunkenness, sin, and whoring. Into what? A party. This brother, this selfish family abandoning sinner to a party. I can't even begin <laughs> to believe the nerve that he'd come home. He probably ran out of money and has come home crying home to daddy for some more. I could have left. Yes, I could have left too, and I could have been gone to see the world, to live carefree, and I would have been more successful than he is. But, but, but here's the thing, I'm better than that. You see, I have a sense of duty and responsibility to work and to my father, and so I do so with excellence and skill. In fact, I believe I'm better at running this whole business than my old father and his old ways. The workers praise my father's generosity and love, but hard workers are made out of fear, discipline, and an iron fist. I am first to work and I am first to leave. I am the hardest worker on this farm. And I come home to this party. And as I'm watching this feast, this party for a pagan, when my father, yes, he catches a glimpse of me and he, he comes outside. 
And can you believe that he has the nerve to invite me to this party, to welcome my brother back into the family like nothing's happened? Can you imagine? And so I look at my father and I tell him directly, never once have you thrown me a party, put your expensive clothes and rings on me, or killed any calf for me. But my dad, as as calm and collected as usual, just looks at me and says, son, son, you are with me always and everything that I have belongs to you. We must celebrate that your brother who was lost is found. Your brother who is dead is alive. Come and celebrate. I'm waiting for you. And I can tell you this, he's still waiting because I don't agree with this one bit. I was the one who had to live with my father in his broken heart, in his hurt, in his pain, when my brother disowned us for parties and women. I have toiled every day in the fields and you don't see me complaining. No, I am excellent and skilled and I will not welcome my brother back to my father's table. He has not earned it. He has not earned it. Listen to my story and remember it because I am the eldest son. Listen to my story and remember it because I am the father. I am peaceful. And being the father of of children is a task not made easy. It's a road with much joy and sorrow. My eyes are strained from reading God's word and my knees, they ache from the prayers of intercessions for my boys. My job, yes, many people ask, what do I do? And my job is to love. Yes, it's true. I do own many fields and vineyards, but my primary task in joy is the love of, the love of my children, my two boys who I love equally. It's my responsibility to love them and teach them how to become like me. This is God's will. But phew, my two sons, they are as different as night and day. But they do share one thing in common. Each of them have left me. Yes, my youngest son left me to experience the world The accuser tempted him with new life, not pure and good with me, but dark and sensuous from below, filled with experiences that are meant to excite and then addict. A life of bondage, not freedom. I find it fascinating that lust and greed are often more enticing than pure love and relationship. And I can't blame the world for my son's fall. It's it's not their fault. Most have never known their father's love. They are lost, blind, and without hope. Lost in a world that offers nothing, nothing that's even closely related to love because it's love that truly feeds the soul. But my older son, yes, he's stayed within my sight. He never physically left me, but his spirit, it lives in its own world filled with anger and bitterness and pride. I find it interesting how the pious world can't forgive and will even condemn my youngest son, but cannot see just how lost his older brother is. And I believe that it's sad that my oldest son is actually more lost than the younger one has ever been. Because everything lies before him, my experience, my wealth, my love, and he wants none of it and even looks at me as though I am the enemy, that I am foolish. And I am glad to say that my youngest son came home. I was filled with joy. My son gave up his sonship for the lure of the world and for self-greed and the desires of the flesh. 
And when he left, he took with him all that I can give him and more than he knew, much, much more, because I give good gifts to those I love. But with tears in my eyes, I had to let him go to the wolves of the world. I could not stop him. It's not my job to control. It's my job to love. So I let him go. And for years, through my tears and even through my anger, I did for him the only thing I could do. I waited. But just a few days ago, I was at work and in the fields, always with one eye on the road and one eye on my work, waiting for my child to come home. And then, all of a sudden, there he was in the distance, and my my jaw dropped open. I let go of what I was doing, and I ran. I ran to him as fast as I could with my arms wide open. Yes, I will be mocked. Yes, I will be made fun of, because a man of my age and certainly position ought not to run. It's a so-called sign of submission that flips the hierarchy. Is there a hierarchy when it comes to love? No, so I ran and I would run again. And when I got to them, there was so much guilt in his eyes as he was saying something about being sorry. But I said, be quiet as I grabbed him tight in my arms and I kissed him over and over again until he finally relaxed in my grip. He tried to tell me of his journey, but all that matters is that my child is home safe within my care. Do you know that my children always have a place at my table? Always. And I wish that my oldest son would have the repentance of my youngest. I wish my oldest son, who is proud on the outside, but broken on the inside, would just come. Would just come and sit with me. He's always trying to impress me with his hard work, his abilities, but he has a stiff heart. I can't even hug my son in front of my workers. They call him the Iron Fist, and rightfully so, because he can be scary. And so I do for him what I've done for my youngest son. I wait. With one eye on my work and one eye on my boy, I wait. Come home, son. Come home, son. I wait. As you sit and contemplate this this, this story of three individuals from... Um, from this family. And as we continue to consider what does it look like for us as a church to love like Jesus has instructed us, God loves, what stands out to you? What do you wonder? What do you think? And what do you know when it comes to this story? And what is God saying to you and how will you respond? Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com, and we're always here to walk with you.